In the morning, when you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Carlos Correa signed with the San Francisco Giants last night. A 13-year deal. He'll get paid $350 million uh, over the life of that contract. That actually does come out to less than $30 million a year in terms of average annual value. But Correa, 13-year deal, will be being paid until he is 41 years old by the San Francisco Giants. It just never ends, these long deals. It's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. 11 years, 12 years, 13 years. So They're only going to get bigger. Tatis is, four, well, Tatis is 14 years. So here's what's happening, or at least why I think this is happening. The team side of it, they are trying to keep the average annual value down because of the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. And if you stay under a certain payroll, which is based on what you pay per year, you can stay under the luxury tax and there's punishments aside from just paying the tax. There's like draft pick punishments and stuff. So from the team side, they're okay with the 13 years or the Trey Turner 11 years because it helps them keep the average annual value down. And then from the player side, if you're Carlos Correa, no, you're getting paid until you're 41. Yeah. Like if Correa had signed, let's say a nine year deal and he's getting paid until he's 37, he might be good enough at 37 to command another big contract, but he probably won't be. Correa at 37 probably isn't getting a big deal. And he probably isn't at 41, but he's still getting $28 million. Right. Um, so that's the interesting part. The one, the one I think key detail that probably hurts the players is that payrolls con- or contracts continue to go up. And in like four years... Correa at $28 million might not even be viewed as a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like in four years, Correa at $28 million is going to be like, ah, he's the 50th highest paid player in baseball. Right. And you're like, oh, how the hell did that happen or something? So that might be the one bad thing for players, but you'd have to kind of go on a one or two year contract to really cash in on that. And that's taking a risk because if you suffer a big injury or just have a bad year, you might not get the big deal. Right. So Correa, 13 years. I am excited. For Correa on the Giants against the Dodgers every year. What That's do you think? fine. We got Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux? We got Gavin Lux. You sound worried up. over there. Oh, I'm very worried. They We're get Swanson. We're Swanson. Let's end it. Swanson. Let's end it and get Swanson. Swanson wasn't even good in 2021, by the way. He had a breakout contract year. The right. guy was a good defensive shortstop who was like a league average hitter. And then he had an awesome year last year. But I'm saying you sign Swanson, all of a sudden he's just sort of an average hitter. You're going to be a little upset. You're going to be like, where is Gavin Lux? Bring that guy back. <laughs> he's a second. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. Marcus Mariota's not with the Falcons. Um, the Falcons named Desmond Ritter the starting quarterback. The plan put Marcus Mariota on IR. But apparently, according to The Athletic, when the Falcons told Mariota that they were going to Ritter as the starter, Mariota told them he was stepping away from the team. And the Falcons don't know when he will be back. I read yesterday he's going to spend time with his new baby. Is it so? There is a I read, family I read scenario yes. here. Okay. Yes. All right. I mean, if I'm Marcus Mariota and you say we're starting Ritter and you're going on IR, all right, I'm going to hang out with my family yeah, too. Exactly. I, it's probably what I would do. Say I because I believe what do we got? Four games left. So IR means he's done. Right. He can't exactly. come back. So. I'd be like, all right, um, you guys yeah. clearly are starting Desmond Ritter and you're going to start him next year if he's any good. So 
see you later. I'm going to go hang out with my family yeah. and tell my agent to find my next team. So maybe I don't blame him as much. That's a good lifestyle pick by Marcus Mariota. What if Ritter leads them, leads them to the playoffs and then gets hurt and then... Oh, they that is true. Backup. They are, and they can go to They're the playoffs. They're only one game or two games out of the playoffs. They got the same record as the Raiders, but they can go to the playoffs because the Bucks are six and seven and leading the division. Right what now, a nightmare. Right now, the Falcons are like fourteen to one to make the playoffs. <laughs> if you're Mariota, <laughs> Daniel, you, oh man. If you're Mariota, do you want to play in the playoffs for this team? No, because they would play the Cowboys in the first round. If they if they won the division, they'd likely play the Cowboys in the first round and mm -hmm. likely would lose by. Four touchdowns. Like, Depends what Cowboys team we get. If it's the, come on, the Daniel, team that played it was a against, trap game. If it's the team that plays the against whole, the Texans. Uh, it was a trap game. Listen, it, Ed, if the Cowboys <laughs> play the Falcons in the first round of the playoffs, you'll be telling me that's a trap game <laughs> yes. as well. This week's a trap game, too, at Jacksonville. Jacksonville no, I better think, people think. I, I know they're better, but I think after their performance last week, I think Dallas might roll the Jaguars. Uh-oh. I'm not feeling good about it now. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. Sean McVay said Baker Mayfield is expected to start against the Packers. John Wolford still has a neck injury uh, after he led the comeback against the Raiders. This felt like a no-brainer that Mayfield would start the rest of the season. Here's a fun question for you. Four games left. Will the Raiders be the only team to lose to Baker Mayfield and the Rams? You mean he's going to pull Jeff Saturday? Are they going to be the only team to lose to Jeff Saturday and the Colts this year, too? Because that's, <laughs> that's still on the that, table. That's still on the table. Exactly. I assume they'll get one win in the last four, but there is a legitimate chance the Raiders could be the only team to lose to Saturday's Colts and Mayfield's Rams. Oh, what a disaster that'd be. Which would be funny. Hold on a second. What Hold do you on. got? Are oh, you looking at their schedule? I want to see and answer that question. For the Rams? Yeah. They should so, have. So their last four... Green Bay, home against Denver. He can beat Denver, ah. probably. He can beat Denver. At the Chargers, who will be fighting for something. At Seattle, who will be fighting for something. So, so Denver, Denver. It comes Denver. down to Denver. It comes down to Denver. It comes down to Denver. And well, well hey. can they can they can they win at Green Bay? Yeah, oh yeah. They Man, can listen. They, it's the Chargers. We've talked about this. The Chargers find funny ways to blow things, even when they're in a good the Rams. spot. Uh no, you said the Rams go through the Chargers. Well, they're the same stadium. Yeah. But no, I'm saying the Chargers find oh, ways okay. to blow things. All right, yeah, so yeah, like yeah, yeah. the Chargers yeah. getting eliminated from the playoffs by Baker Mayfield and the Rams would be would so Chargers, right? So they absolutely could win that one too. Right. So they they can win any of those ones on the schedule. But uh, the Denver game is probably going to be like twelve to nine, right? Oh, I can't wait to bet the over field goal prop in that game. <laughs> Nobody's getting into the <laughs> end zone in that game. Next question. Kyler Murray did, in fact, tear his ACL, the non-contact injury, from Monday night. Um, I'm going to give you Lindsey Brown's hot take from yesterday. She thinks that this might save Cliff Kingsbury's job. I thought it was going to get him fired. I thought I think he's done no matter what. I do, too. I don't think it matters if Murray played the rest of the year and they won, like, three games. I figured he was done either way. I did, too. Uh, but she says maybe it saves his job if he... if Because he can come back and say, hey... And if he can show something with Colt, if like Colt McCoy to, looks at I had to decent. start Colt McCoy. Yeah. I don't think it happens, but that was. I the, think he's fired no matter what. Yeah. It's been uh, multiple years, one playoff appearance there in Arizona. And the, the comparison I made yesterday is if you are deciding on who your coach is and you have a Kyler Murray at quarterback, 
and you look at what Miami's doing with Tua, you're looking at what Philly's doing with Jalen Hurts, and you look even just at what the Giants have done with Daniel Jones, you have to have a coaching staff that elevates your quarterback. Right. And that's not happening in Arizona, and I would make the move because they're committed to Kyler Murray with that contract. So No, he's not going anywhere. Right. So I would make that move because I need a coach that's going to come in and do what Mike McDaniel did for Tua, what Brian Dable did for Daniel Jones. I need somebody that's going to do that for Kyler Murray. Great question. All right, Danny, this one's in just for you. Texans running back Damon Pierce could miss up to three weeks. He has a high ankle sprain. He's going to miss at least one week, and it could be more than that. Who wins rookie of the year, Danny? I mean, if I if I had to pick someone who's actually having a good season, I would say Chris Olave. Tell, but I tell know Ed, where you want to go with Ed this. Where you want where you think it's going? I have a theory, oh, and no. it's way out there, but it could happen. If Brock Purdy leads this team to like a four and one record and he throws for like a thousand, maybe twelve hundred yards and about ten touchdowns, put him in the conversation for offensive rookie of the year. That's that's pretty far out there. He threw but, for hundred and eighty five yards. That's yeah. fine. Throw for two hundred yards a game, you're over a thousand yards. You're fine. Throw ten touchdowns, maybe two or three interceptions, you're in the conversations. <laughs> How bad is this rookie class? I don't think it's that bad. If I mean, you, had, is, you if, had Damian Pierce, you had Kenneth Walker. You also have Chris Olave. If this is the rookie of the year, a guy who walks into a good team and throws for 185 a game and wins rookie of the year, I mean, it's a bad rookie class. It's, it's very, very, very unlikely it'll happen, but it would be great. If we're looking at week 18 and Brock Purdy has this team top of the division and he's 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh as the starting quarterback, you got to put him in the conversation. That is not that unlikely. No. Huh? That the Niners go 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh over the next few weeks. Yeah. And he throw, only has to throw for 185 a game. That's probably what is going to happen. I'm saying. I'm saying. Uh, uh, We'll see. Mississippi State will play in their bowl game. They're playing Illinois on January 2nd in Tampa. Uh, Their head coach, Mike Leach, died earlier this week. Uh, The athletic director at Mississippi State said the players are 100% behind playing this bowl game and doing what Coach Leach would expect them to do. We all know that's what Coach Leach would want, and it's what we should do. So Mississippi State will play in their bowl game um, against Illinois, which uh, I'm curious to see what they do because that'll probably be quite the emotional moment for that game. It is, by the way, at the Buccaneers Stadium where there's an actual pirate ship in the stadium. Mike Leach called the pirate. Right. So I'm... It'll probably be a pretty special moment right, before be that emotional. game starts. Uh, and curious, curious to see what they do. And uh, I saw somebody on Twitter say they should rename this bowl the Pirate Bowl every year for Mike Leach. It's already a pirate ship in the stadium. Make it happen. So uh, Mississippi State is going to play in their bowl game. Kalong told me a couple days ago, I, you got to get rid of this echo. <laughs> can't talk. I'm drunk. Whatever. <laughs> Why'd the Cowboys sign T.Y. Hilton? Um, why not Odell Beckham? Well, you can't play. <laughs> Odell came out and said, I might be able to play in the regular season, but why would I? Yeah, somebody said he wasn't going to play till the first week of the playoffs. Why would you sign a guy who can't play for a month? Do they need a receiver? 
That's what that's what is the interesting part when they brought Odell in. We talked about it then. We went over all the receiving core, and you didn't you didn't really get what the deal was with Odell with, with anybody with T Y Hilton or anybody. Their their receivers are pretty pretty solid. Like again, it's not like signing T Y Hilton's like a problem, but it's just been weird that it's like oh they're linked with Odell and now they signed T Y Hilton yeah, instead like they, or something. It's, like they feel they absolutely need somebody. Right. It'd be one thing if like oh. Uh, CD Lamb out for the season with an injury. And right. Like, oh, we better go get somebody. Right. I don't know. It just seemed it seemed weird that they've been tied to so many different wide receivers this late in the season that probably won't make a material for difference on the team. But it's been a pretty good offense. Yeah. And it seems weird that they're always trying to upgrade positions that they're fine at and not the ones that they're bad in. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll get into some UNLV football. Twin wide receivers on each side of the ball. Empty backfield. Cox. A quick drop, looking, looking, pumps once, and he's tackled by Adam Plant at the 40. Plant with a sack, and it's fourth and five. Tightly bunched formation at the line. Kyle Williams wide left, play action fake. Bailey all day to throw. Pass on the near side to Zeon, and the pass is in the end zone, and it's caught for a touchdown. The Rebels with a huge touchdown right there. Nick Williams. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. In 20 minutes or so, we're going to give away Golden Knights tickets. They take on the St. Louis Blues on December 23rd, and we got a pair of tickets for you. So stay tuned if you want to win those. Uh, We're also going to be joined uh, a little bit later by Jason Fitz. But this is a fun story about UNLV football right now. So Barry Odom gets the job at UNLV in Barry Odom's introductory press conference. um, He talked quite a bit about recruiting locally. Uh, One of the phrases that jumped out to me was he said they need to control the narrative about UNLV and local recruiting over the last couple of days, multiple high schools here in Las Vegas have tweeted out something to the effect of thanks Barry Odom for stopping by legacy high school did it. Las Vegas high school did it. Faith Lutheran did it and green Valley high school did it and green Valley high school in their tweet included the phrase he's killing it as it pertains to mending ties. Hello, Marcus Arroyo. This is one of the funniest, like, underhanded smack in the face that I think I've ever seen from a collection of high school football Twitter accounts. (laughs) I didn't know they all had Twitter accounts. Like, it's unreal to me that they are all going out of their way to tweet, thanks for coming out, Barry Odom. And especially for Green Valley High School to say mending ties in this scenario. So here's here's my question about this. And I ask it because Barry Odom specifically said controlling the narrative, right? That phrase is stuck in my head about this whole UNLV and recruiting locally. Did Barry Odom and or <laughs> UNLV ask these high schools to send out a tweet about him visiting? I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he mentioned it on the way out the door. Hey, by the way, <laughs> if Make, you'd like, it m- might might help us a little. Um, to send this out. They have the UNLV logo on there. 
Well, the best where, one. Where are they getting that? The Green the Green Valley just, tweet was the best that? one. Well, yeah, you can just download it and put it wherever you want. But the best one is the Green Valley one. Somebody, I don't know who, somebody, took, it's a picture, I think, of Green Valley High School, and there's like a light pole. And you know how places will have a little banner on the sure. light pole and to say Odom. something? They photoshopped Barry Odom's face onto this little banner outside the school. Yes. That's hilarious. Who did that? Like, is, did some did Barry Odom do that and say, hey, send this out? That's going above and beyond. Right. It is. It's hilarious to me. And I genuinely don't know if I believe or not Odom's asking them to do that or if they're doing it on their own. Because if Odom's asking them to do it, if you're somebody at UNLV is asking, hey, could you send out a tweet about Barry Odom coming by? Then that is UNLV trying to control the narrative, right? That's UNLV trying to get it out there to as many people as possible. That they are making contact with Look at us. School. We're recruiting locally. We're not like right. the last coach. Like, we're here. We're in the city. We're right. at the right. local high schools. Like, that's them controlling the narrative. the narrative. But if they're not asking then that means these high school football coaches hate Marcus Arroyo because they, again, are going out of their way. To tweet all this. To tweet about him coming out. Do you think one saw the other and they just followed in line? That might be a a situation here where, I don't know who was first, but like if, oh, Faith Lutheran said, thanks for coming by, Barry Odom, and then Las Vegas High School and Legacy, well, he came and saw us too, so get it out there. Yeah, Yeah, we want people to know he came to see us. Maybe. Maybe that happened and started a little bit of a domino effect. God, it's so funny. Like, it is one of the funniest weird stories that you could have about a football coach. Because, in all honesty, Barry Odom's been the head coach here at UNLV for, what are we going on, like a week or so. What is he, like, what, what's he done so far? Well... In terms of recruiting, like we like, but we don't know anything. Like we don't know. No, I like mean, I, they haven't landed he's a been kid to a in lot the trans- of these schools. Right, they haven't landed a kid in the transfer portal that we know of. That Maybe know he's of. gotten commitments, but whatever. He hasn't made any hirings that we know of. Right, like there's probably some. There's we don't been know there's of. been some reported like uh, who was it the uh, coach that was with him at Arkansas might right. be coming as the defensive coordinator, but like. What we know publicly, I'm not. I'm not accusing Barry Odom of not doing anything. No, because we don't know but, everything that could right. be happening behind the scenes. I'm, he's met with the players. He said he's meeting with the staff. All that. But what we know publicly, there's no new players. There's no new coaches. But what we do know publicly, he's at the Las Vegas high schools, right. which means that was so high on his priority list that it is the like main thing we know about his tenure. A weekend is that well, he's going to go watch Las Vegas high school play football. Yeah. We talked about it yesterday, and we tossed, We talked about the idea of um, when Odom was initially talked to about this position, did Harper try and put in his head, like, hey, you need to be out there in the Valley talking to these schools? I don't think it's crazy enough to think that Harper didn't know what was going on, and uh, Mike Gramala is the one who wrote the really good story on these high school coaches saying, we never see Marcus Arroyo. <laughs> Um, he's never here. Their coaches are never here. I can't believe Eric Harper didn't either see that or was told about that. I mean, yeah. I, and now do you hire him with a demand that he could recruit? Look, you can't do that. You can't tell him who to recruit. No, but at but least you can strongly talk. suggest it might be good to have some relationships locally. So we're not looking like we don't care about the local people. Now, if that's the only thing he did. He's going to, like Tyler said, he's going above and beyond if it was just suggested to him that he, you know, 
have some relationships locally. Right. And because, like, here's the thing. To completely just take a shot at Legacy High School. Does Legacy High School have a player that, that Barry Odom needs to recruit right now? Okay, I have no idea. I don't either. But like I'm assuming like he goes to Legacy, he goes to Las Vegas High School, he goes to Faith Luther in Green Valley. I'm assuming there's not many kids that like he needs to get right now. Because here's the Barry Odom needs to build a recruiting class. Barry Odom needs to build a transfer portal class. Right? Like those are important things he needs to do between now and the final signing day period in February. He needs to build a roster for next year. I know he wants to keep a lot of the guys here, but he's still gonna need to build a roster. So like is he going to get a significant amount of players from these handful of high schools in Las Vegas that he's been to? Probably not, right? Maybe in the future, but probably not, which means he's made this a priority. He's made Absolutely. it a priority to go talk to these, even though it probably doesn't help him immediately. There's probably no immediate value to going to uh, Green Valley High School in early December, right? But he's still doing it, which is, again, it's hilarious to me because the, the high school coaches might hate Arroyo, Eric Harper might have fired Arroyo in part because of the whole high school or not recruiting high school kids or high school coach talking to high school coaches and the new coach is out here being like, all right, we can't make that mistake again. And we've talked about it. It probably doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if Barry Odom recruits Faith Lutheran or legacy high school. No, as long we we've said this a million times, we've said it the same with basketball. What are we talking about? EJ Harkless. Now we're talking about all these kids that Kevin got out of the uh, portal. Believe me, they're 10 and 0. Believe me. Those people who go to the game on Saturday against San Francisco, they view them as local kids. Yeah. Why? Cuz they're 10 and 0 and they're playing well. They 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 view them as, you know, rebels and home to the rebels and at their home and all of that. I mean, so Barry Odom gets a bunch of guys from Texas or California and they're suddenly, you know, 9 and 3 or 8 and 4 and contending for the Mountain West. All those kids will be embraced by UNLV fans. Yeah. God. There's no question about that. It's all about winning. Are they going to be any good next year? Yes. You think so? <laughs> I think they go to a bowl game next year. Okay. All right. Well, they got close this year. I'm curious to see what the roster looks like. They've already lost a couple of kids to the NFL draft. They've lost like five kids to the NFL draft. Um, yeah. Are you surprised at how their team listen, was Daniel this year? Gutierrez just, is getting drafted. No, not Daniel Gutierrez. But Kicker other kids, drafted. Breaking the streak. It's going to be a kicker. Let's do it, Daniel Gutierrez. Uh, the Kobe Bryant kid? Yes. There's like four or five that have, you know, confirmed for the draft. And I'm like, were that many kids on there that good? Adam Plant and Austin Ajake, those appear to be guys that are maybe draftable. And Third if they, day. And if they have a great spring, you know, I don't they probably won't be invited to the combine. But if they have a great spring, you know, pro days or interviews with teams, Maybe they do get drafted. So there's a couple of guys that are like uh, fringe level draft picks, but the you center, are right. The center went. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. You are right. It is kind of weird that UNLV is like they have six kids that have declared for the NFL well, draft. Well, I keep seeing their tweets and I read it and I just assume at the end it's going to say I've entered the transfer portal. <laughs> and instead it enters, they're entering the NFL draft. Like, wow, another kid's entering the NFL draft. Uh, they did lose. Um, Noel Williams, the defensive back, he is he went to transferring Cal. to Cal, where there's a couple of former UNLV coaches there. Uh, Kyle Williams, now, the Kyle receiver. Kyle Williams has not announced correct. yet. He is, as far as I know, he's still in the transfer portal. So Odom's got to build a roster. He's getting Brumfield back, but until we really know more, I have no idea if they're going to be good. He could lose a whole bunch of more guys. And, not and the running back him. went in the transfer. Oh, that's right. Hey. Aiden Robbins. Yeah, uh, he is in the portal after going over 1,000 yards. All right, coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. 
The man does not like pie or syrup on his pancakes. No clue why we're talking to him, but it is time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Good morning, Jason. Hey, Gentlemen, how are we doing as we get ready for Christmas? Oh, it's such a delightful time. I have a very important question for you. Um, yes. Tell me if you would eat this for dinner. Uh, we had a guest on our show earlier, Mike Grimala, who covers UNLV sports out here in Vegas. Uh, he said yesterday for dinner, he ate uh, white cheddar popcorn and a Whitman's chocolate sampler. You know what? That sounds like there's one of three ways that goes. That's I'm young and I can do whatever I want and I can get away with it. Is um, I may have partaken this evening and I'm particularly snacky. Or I've given up all hope. So it depends on which second the segment in life he's in. I've been there many times where you know that 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 sounds delightful to me, especially eating a whole Whitman sampler. I'm all in for doing that, and I appreciate the commitment to having like a little bit of salt to go with the sweet. Like I'm all in. That, that, that's not bad. All right. So to answer some of your questions, uh, he is uh, in his 40s. Um, he does okay. not drink. Okay. Okay. That's a little more surprising. <laughs> like we're, we're, this is getting a little more surprising as we go. Um, okay. I, that, that sounds interesting. Um, you know, my, my, my guy might want to try like a, a vegetable in there somewhere. Just, just, just somewhere, just like maybe, or just a slab of meat, a slab of protein somewhere. Like, you know, just a, a protein shake, even something to help. I don't know. Well, it would have made more sense if you had a couple beers before doing it. And then it's like, okay, that makes sense. Nope, didn't happen. Yeah, or or like, you know, a Flintstone vitamin or something. Uh, you know, some, something that just, you know, might take you a little off your regular course. Like, that would be, that would also make sense. Like, there's been plenty of times where I've housed a bag of chips in a box of chocolates, but it's never been, I don't think, what I've been of sound mind in that process. <laughs> All right, Jason Fitz with us from ESPN. Uh, can you give me a number here? How many losses do the Raiders have this year that should be considered fireable offenses? Well, uh, they've won 33% of their games when ahead by 13 or more points. The rest of the league has won 85% of those dead games. So um, I think the hardest part is that, about all of it is there's not one easy fix. You don't look at it and say, oh, here is the problem that's costing the Raiders games. You look at it and say every week it's a new moment. Like Hillary's been having a nice little resurgence in a couple of games. Played really well. Uh, I think I I felt like if you'd asked me last week, Hillary was the guy that was maybe playing his way on to having a shot at being a part of this team for a, a minute, and then all of a sudden you have a boneheaded penalty. And for anybody that didn't see this, the same exact thing happened in the Washington game last week was not called, and the league sent a note out to officials and teams saying, "Don't do this." And then he did it. Like so, I, I don't. I just the 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 level of boneheadedness there, but then. Also, like it's a bad pass interference play on a on what should have been an interception. It's it's a it's a questionable play call of why you're in that defense late in the game. Like I mean, just the number of people that have have managed to put their their heads up there, you know what, at different times in each of these games. It's just that's the stunning part of it because that's that's harder to fix than saying, oh, you know what, this team is one person away from winning football games. This is a bunch of people that need to be better be smarter, and do their jobs better at different times. I don't know if you, you probably weren't accepting of it, but I don't know if you're screaming and throwing things at the TV. What was your reaction during the 98-yard drive? So I was hosting SportsCenter on Snapchat that oh, night. And oh. uh, 
we so I'm in studio and <laughs> we got a whole filming crew that has to edit all of this stuff after we go. And, and the last thing you do every Thursday night is the Thursday night football game. So part of my job is to write the script uh, as, as quickly as possible and then you start recording. So usually we start writing the script and going over what we want to say in the third quarter and as soon as the game is done, we, uh, we go in and record it. So it was me and a, a couple of producers sitting in this huge room with TVs everywhere because they put TVs everywhere so I could watch the game. And when uh, the Rams scored the first touchdown, I deleted the entire script and I actually started <laughs> writing, I can't believe the Raiders lost this football game. I'm so used to seeing it this year. And, uh, and as it ended, the funniest thing to me is that nobody else in that room said a word the rest. I mean, not even a word. The camera was set up and I was like, let's go. And I recorded the segment. I'm like, thanks, y'all. And I walked out. And, like, not, not a thing. There wasn't a have a great week. See you next week. None of that. There were no pleasantries. There was no conversation. I just I watched what the Raiders have done all year. That you, Bad teams find a way to lose. And this team found a way to lose yet again. Like, that's, that's the hardest thing I've asked several former players. How do you fix a culture in the locker room that's convinced you're going to lose? And the answer from every former player I've talked to is you can't fix it. You have to rip it apart because once that becomes part of of your culture, it's unfixable. And that that's going to be the wildest thing because if the Raiders that come out and play hard on Sunday for Josh McDaniels uh, against the Patriots, if they don't come out with a fire under their butt, I'm not talking about win. I mean, I'm talking about come out and play like you give it in. If they don't play that way on Sunday, then he has lost his locker room, and I don't know how you get it back. All right, so that idea of maybe losing the locker room, of if, if this is the culture, you don't fix it, you have to rip it up. Does that mean the head coach or like, can you rip it up roster wise? Can you do something besides just changing the head coach? If you decide we have to rip this up to make it work. If you rip it up, the easiest thing to do is to get rid of the head coach. But I, I will stand squarely on this. I, I genuinely believe that the Raiders would lose every game for the rest of the season. Josh McDaniels will be back as head coach next year. I don't think Mark Davis will admit a mistake a year in. I just don't think that would happen if it turns out to be a mistake. The other side of it is then, how do you rip it apart if you keep him McDaniels? You rip it apart by getting rid of basically everybody. Other than Max Crosby, I'm not sure there's anybody on this roster that the Raiders wouldn't look at if they had to rip it down to the studs. Would they look at getting rid of essentially everybody and starting over in the draft? Maybe. Is that something fans want to hear? No. Is that something that can win over a city like Las Vegas? It's essentially an expansive city trying to get to know this team? No. I mean, I think that's worst-case scenario for the franchise for the next decade. All right, how much of a difference does Waller and Renfro make? I, I, you broke up on me. Sorry, what? How much does a difference does Waller and Renfro make, if at all? Uh, I don't think it makes a huge difference for right now, but, man, I think there's a lot that you get. Like, so to the point that we're talking about ripping it down to the studs, I think there's a real conversation about what we want to see over the last several games. And part of what we should want to see is Renfro get comfortable in this offense because he wasn't comfortable in this offense before he got hurt. And Waller, we got to see if that hamstring is any good. So I think the next several games are a really nice opportunity to let guys start to get more comfortable with each other that we think should be back, presuming things don't absolutely get ripped apart. So I'm not sure that it changes the fact that San Francisco has a defense nobody can score on. It doesn't change the fact that you've got to play the Chiefs the last weekend of the season. But, my God, it definitely – I mean, I'm looking at this offense saying, show me something. Show me some continuity together that, that makes all of us believe that it can be what we thought it was going to be, for sure. Uh, do you think at all the Raiders should look at uh, who the Kansas City Chiefs are in their division when it comes to roster building and like offseason plans? Like, Should they look at it as a, that team's really good, it's going to be really hard to catch them, so it might not be smart to go all the way in, or is that a foolish way to do it? 
I don't think you can do that because, frankly, all you got to worry about in today's NFL is making the playoffs. So even above me on, you know, winning the division, you just want to be a playoff team every year. What you do do, though, is in your roster construction, you look at who you're going to be playing all the time. Like, you know, if you were the Raiders, you know for the next decade, you're going to be taking on Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. So you better have secondaries that can cover. You better have guys back there that can get it done. And, you know, the, the last regime obviously didn't do a very good job of scouting that. The current regime better be able to. I mean, if, if for all the conversations about quarterbacks that we talk about constantly, like if, look, at the, look at the Chargers. You can have a, a very good quarterback, and while you watch the rest of your team implode, it means nothing. So where I think who you're playing against matters is when you get into the draft conversation, go get yourself the best corners you can possibly get yourself every single time. Like, I'd take a stab at a corner on every draft pick if I had to just to try and build a secondary that can actually cover anybody. Hold on. I love Jason Fitz, the GM, drafting seven corners in the draft this year. (laughs) I mean, what's the worst-case scenario? Six of them end up uh, not with the team anymore? Sounds like the 2020 draft. I mean, let's go. It's not like we got a great, a prideful draft history here in the last 25. I just want one draft, y'all, where like the camera doesn't get right in my face covering it, and I don't have to just sit there and justify live on TV why the Raiders aren't idiots. That's all I want is just one time for that to happen. The 2020 draft, what a disaster. Now Simpson's gone. I mean, could that draft have been any worse? I think that's one of the worst drafts we've seen from any team ever because you look at not only are most of those guys not with it, I mean, all but one or not with the team, uh, but many of them aren't even in the league. So, like, you got this thing drastically wrong, right? Like, so you start thinking about that, and you just can't miss like that in the draft. The reason the Chiefs are great is, yes, Mahomes and Andy Reid. But the other reason the Chiefs are great is over a six-year period, all three of their top three, or all, uh, all picks that they made third round and higher, I should say, every single one of them made the roster. Think about that. They drafted really impactfully for six straight years. That's why they're constantly stacked. So, you got to draft well if you really want to win in the NFL long-term. Long-term, You can go all in and do the Rams thing one year. How's that working for them this year? So if you really want to win long-term, you got to have depth. And if you, you want to have depth, you have to draft well. All right, Jason, before we let you go, uh, we are giving away tickets to a concert that is Five Finger Death Punch and Brantley Gilbert. Is that a strange combination yeah. to you? No, Brantley Gilbert kicked our ass one night on stage in Indianapolis. We were playing the RCA or Lucas Oil, I guess. We were playing Lucas Oil for a, like a, a huge convention with all these kids there. And Brantley opened and we closed the show. Brantley came out and did Metallica covers and like wow. hard rock. Like he, he was playing hard rock stuff the whole time and then like swung in a couple of his country music uh, songs in, in the process. And then we went out and did like this full like acoustic feel-good show with a bunch of, like, you know, our songs at the time that were all wildly, like, acoustic-driven. And we went to the bus afterwards, and Kimberly Perry, the lead singer, she, she asked us, she's like, why did we get beat so bad? And I said, we don't have, we don't have arena songs. Brantley had a bunch of arena songs. And uh, it was crazy because that was right as we were going in to record the second record. I will always argue that we recorded a second record that had more guitars and more heaviness sound to it for us. Uh, because of Brantley Gilbert kicking our ass in the RCA dump, or Lucas Lowe's. Okay, so, yeah, Brantley, Brantley puts out a rock. He puts on a rock show. Fun fact, too, you didn't ask for it. His guitar player for many years, and so just a few months ago, his buddy and my name, BJ. Uh, BJ had two master's degrees in classical acoustic guitar, including one where he spent several years in Spain learning to play flamenco all over Europe. So my guy's out there 
playing all this wild Bach all over his acoustic guitar, and then he stands on stage and plays four chords with a massive beard and a leather jacket on for money. <laughs> he is Jason Fitz. Always good for a story. Jason, as always, we appreciate Thanks, Jason. it. Appreciate you guys. See Have a great week. Appreciate you. So there's Jason later in the show, Five Finger Death Punch and Brantley Gilbert tickets right now. Golden Knights tickets to take on the St. Louis Blues on December 23rd, and we've got a pair of tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. Be caller number 9 right now at 702-364-1100. You want a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights and the Blues. First half up for me? The sure. Lakers The Lakers stink. Yeah, we y'all, they y'all forcing us to show them all the time like they're going to be good. Y'all is it they, Ernie? They, no, the NBA. Oh, okay. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> Uh, and then we got all these clowns on television have to talk about them every day. A the conspiracy? Lakers, it's a conspiracy. Like, we have to talk about the Lakers. The Lakers are awful. We don't talk about no other 14 seed. Uh, well, sorry, they're not a 14 seed. They're a 12 seed. We don't talk about what's the 12 seed in the East. We don't ever talk about the Washington Wizards, do we? Ever. <laughs> do we ever mention the Washington Wizards, the great Bradley, Bradley Bill? No, but for some reason... These morning talk shows and us, we have to show the Lakers all the time. The Lakers stink. Easy. Okay. I'm, it, I'm fine. Right. It's the last time you're going to see them this year. No way. It is. This year, this is December. This is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you big dummy. <laughs> American Express teammates. Well, over good, uh, well played, Arnie. As we, as we well played. The, uh... You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. There are two tremendous parts of that audio from TNT. Uh, the first is Charles just ripping on the Lakers for being terrible uh, and being correct about it. The second is that he is actually ripping the company he works for. Yes. Like it's great. Turner. Yeah. TNT, is the one who keeps showing. This right. Team. They're the ones that choose. Well, we, we want to put the Lakers and Celtics on TNT. So it's great that he is ripping the company that he works for, for continually choosing to put the Lakers on TV. Uh, phenomenal sound. Uh, phenomenal comparison to say we don't talk about the Washington Wizards uh, and everybody has to talk about the Lakers because they're the Lakers and they have LeBron James, which, by the way, we will talk about the Lakers because they lost in overtime to the Celtics last night. I'm going to be honest with you. I went to bed early last night because I had this game on and the Celtics were up by like 15. I was like, this game's over. Wake up. Oh, the Lakers came back, and the Lakers had like a 12-point lead with three minutes they to go. They went on like an 18-0 run. And then they blew that, like and they went in overtime. And then Boston ended up winning in overtime. Uh, this stat from Tim McMiniman. The Lakers have now blown two double-digit leads in the final five minutes this year. The rest of the NBA has also done it twice. Wow. <laughs> so when you lead by Charles double digits. Charles is right. Yes. When you lead by double digits, you pretty much always win. Well, the, with five minutes to go. Right. 29 teams have uh, only blown that lead twice. The 30th team, the Lakers, have managed to also do it twice. twice. Uh, phenomenal stat there. But they lost in overtime. All right. Enough about the 12 seed in the West. The Pelicans lost to the Jazz last night. Uh, Utah 16-14. and They're still holding on to a playoff spot, even though they could very easily fall out of that. They lost... But the Pelicans are 18 and nine and tied for first in the West. And Zion, who had 26 last night, 
has played in 22 of the Pelicans' 27 That's a bigger upset games. than the Lakers blowing those leads. Right? The Pelicans last year played very well at the end of the season. Yes. Without Zion. And a lot of people said, well, if they get Zion back, what, you know, what could they be? It's very early in the season. I believe at this point last year, the Nets were in the top two or three in the East. Hell, I think the Wizards might have been in the top three in the East at one point in December last year. So it's still very early, right? Being in first or being in the top four in in any conference right now doesn't mean a whole lot. But this team was pretty good to end last season without Zion. They have Zion. He's playing most of the games. He's playing very well. Pelicans going to be a legitimate. I think team they're going to the be a legitimate team in the West. Yeah. I did you hope shake so. your head, Danny? No. Oh, I thought Daniel was shaking his head. No. No, just as long as Zion stays healthy. I genuinely hope so, because I want to watch Zion, Zion Williamson into the, deep into the playoffs. Just dunk on people, and ju- just nobody's able to stop it. Like that would genuinely be fun. Right now, and again, we're early in the season. The Pelicans' offensive rating, their fifth best in the league. Their defensive rating, third best in the league. They have the second best overall net rating behind only the Boston Celtics. Like this team, again, we're 27 games in, but they are really, really good to start this season. And I hope this team, like the the small market, probably bad for TV matchup that I want to see Pelicans and Grizzlies. The two top teams in the West right yeah. now. I am all yeah. on board for a Western Conference Final. Zion. 100% yeah. I am ready for that to be the Western Conference Final. I mean, look Final. at the Western Conference. Pelicans, Grizzlies, Nuggets. The Suns are now fourth. Yeah. Like, again, the Suns might end up getting there. Uh, maybe the Nuggets are, are legitimate or something like that. If the Clippers get it together. Like, there's some other teams that maybe you'd expect more than the Pelicans. They could find their way to the top of the league and knock the Pelicans out of the playoffs or whatever because there's still, you know, 60 games left or whatever it is. But I'm on board for John Morant and Zion Williamson in the Western Conference Finals in the second round. Hell, for the next, like, 10 years, I'm on board with those two going at each other in the postseason because those are two guys that are just, I'm going to dunk. I don't I don't really care what you do. I'm going to go dunk, and that's fun to watch. So I'm on board. I'm a fan. I hope the Pelicans actually pull this out, pull this off, and are a legitimate contender in the West. Unfortunately, the Celtics are probably just going to win the title anyway.